we're going to read the Word of God. So I ask you to stand in honor of that, and we're going to read from 2 Corinthians. Please read with me. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the word to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are grateful to assemble this morning as a family in this refurbished room that you have provided. And God, we are grateful. Mostly we're grateful for your son and the reconciliation that he brought through the cross. And we're grateful for the word. So Father, we ask now that you would glorify yourself through the teaching of the word, that you would speak through my brother Andrew, Father, that you would accomplish exactly what you have for us today. We love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. As you, good morning. As you uh, find your seats, I would also like to invite you to find your own copy of Scripture and join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to jump in there and read a couple of those verses again, spend some time considering them. Uh, I'm also going to—I didn't do this for the last service, uh, and I feel a little bad about it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it for you guys. That's a joke uh, because of the topic for today. Um, but uh, I'm going to give you a cheat code uh, here this morning. If you didn't know this already, this is—I'm giving you a, a, a superpower that use wisely, okay? Don't, don't, don't be irresponsible with this. Uh, in our church app, if you go to the Sunday section, you will actually find an area that says Sermon Notes. All of the notes for today with all the blanks already filled in are there for you, okay? So if you're someone who likes to follow along and fill in the notes as you go, here's my disclaimer at the beginning. We got a lot of ground recovering this morning, and if for some reason you don't catch one because I'm going to be moving fast or I skip one or something like that, after the service you can go find, find it in that part of the app and you'll find, find it. Don't cheat and, and just like right now go through and fill in all the answers because then that's no fun, okay? Like you got to play the game, right? You got you to go along and fill in the answers as, as you go. Uh, that's, your, that's your cheat code for you uh, this morning uh, as we prepare to dive into God's Word and see what He has for us today. It is, it is good to be back uh, with you all this morning and, and back in this room. Uh, I don't know whether to feel honored or like I missed out on something because uh, I'm, I was the last sermon with y'all uh, before we left 
this room uh, back on Father's Day. Uh, I was the last one in there, then we went over to the FLC, and now I get to be the first one back uh, in the room too. Uh, so I- I'm going to take it as an honor. I do feel like I missed out a little bit. I never got to preach over, over in the gym, but hey, we're all here. Thank you for coming back. Glad to see you survived our, our time over there in the FLC. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is is a powerful passage. A lot of good truth uh, in there for all of us. Uh, But I think one of the things that happens sometimes is when there's one really good verse in a a part of the Bible, we kind of miss some of the verses around it, okay? And and sometimes those ones are the ones that are are really, truly life-transforming when you you look at them closely. Uh, Context does matter. Uh, So in this passage, the very famous verse is, you know, the old is past away, behold, we are a new creation, right? Those in Christ are a new creation, all this passed away. It's a great verse, beautiful verse. That's a whole sermon in and of itself. That's not the sermon we're preaching uh, this morning. I want to invite you to join me in the verses right after that verse. Verse 18, uh, and I'm reading from the NIV this morning, so if you're uh, following along on a mobile device, something you want to flip over to that, you're, you're welcome to. Uh, verse 18 says, all this, that's the whole being made new, okay? All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So, God did something, right? He's the one who did something. He has reconciled us to himself through Christ. And where do we come into the picture? We come into the picture over here where he then gives us that ministry of reconciliation to give to others. And that's what I'd like to ask you to consider this morning. I'd like to ask you to consider for yourself, am am I reconciled with Christ? And how do I help others be reconciled? To Christ. Let me, let me explain this a little bit further. He, he goes on, verse 19. Um, this is, this is a, a further explanation. Verse 19 says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Why did God need to create this means of reconciliation? Well, helps if you know what the word reconciliation means. I, I did not put the definition for that word in here. That we, we're going to talk about another word here in a minute that I did give you the definition. But it's the idea of uh, something was wrong between two parties, two people groups, and it needs to be made right. What was the issue between us and Christ? If it, this passage is written to Christians, so he's looking past tense. He's saying, we had an issue with Christ. We were, in other portions of the Bible, it says we were the enemies of God. We were in enmity with him. There is something that is broken between us, and we call that sin. We call that sin. Every single one of us has an issue at our core between us and God, and it is sin. And we need to be reconciled with God as a result of that. He goes on. And he is um, uh, not counting the people's sins against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
I love that imagery. He, he says, as if God was making his appeal through us. You know what he's saying? He's saying, when you guys see me standing up here, or Pastor Phil, or Pastor Matt, or whoever, when your co-workers, when your friends, when your family see you in their world, what they should not see is, is Samson. Okay, what they should not see is Mike. What they should not see is Campbell. I'm, I'm picking on people whose names I know in the room, okay? Like, like, they shouldn't see you. They should see God making an appeal through you. I, I'm standing up here this morning giving an appeal. I'm asking you, be reconciled with God. Get it right. This thing that has been broken between you and him, get it right. And why? How? For, for what purpose? Why? Like, how is that even a thing that we were broken? Well, you have to explain what sin is. You have to explain what the result of sin is. Sin is the breaking of God's moral standards. It is rebellion against him. It's not just, we, we like to kind of sometimes make it a little bit easier on the palate, and we say sin is like, I messed up, I made a mistake, made an oopsie, made a spiritual oopsie or something like that. No, no, no. Sin is me saying, God, I'd rather do it my way than your way. It's saying, God, uh, you know, thanks for making me, (laughs) creating me with a purpose, on purpose, with a plan, but I'd rather do my own thing and forget you, God, right? I'm going to make my own rules for life. I'm going to make my own plan. I'm going to do it my way. It's really ultimately you saying, I'm going to be the God in this relationship, not you. That's, That's what sin is. We're breaking his standard. And that causes a a divide between us. It breaks our relationship. It ultimately leads to ultimate separation from God in eternal punishment. And Paul is saying to the Corinthian believers, he's saying, you were once that person. You were once living in this state of lostness, of separation from God. You need to be reconciled with God. You have been reconciled with God. Now go tell other people they can be reconciled too. Let God make his appeal through you be reconciled. And how is this all possible? That's our last verse in verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Guys, that's the gospel in a nutshell right there. Okay, if you're here this morning and you're going, you know, uh, this isn't past tense for me. I feel like maybe I have a problem with God right now. And, and, and I have not been reconciled with God. I want you to know that through Jesus, who took your sin upon himself on that cross and died, you can be saved. You can be reconciled with God by, by merely throwing yourself on Christ, saying, would you, would you reconcile me with God? Would you forgive me? Would your righteousness be legally accounted to my breaking of your laws. That, that's the gospel. And if that's you this morning, I'd encourage you, just talk to God. He's there. You don't need to talk to anybody else. Like, just, just talk to God and say, God, I, I need that. W- would you forgive me? W- would you make me right with you? You, you can do that right there. Uh, we'd love to help you with that. We'd love to talk to you and help explain things and help you think through that. But ultimately, it's between you and God. And you, and you got to get right with God. This is the ministry of reconciliation. 
Now, why are we talking about the ministry of reconciliation, the bringing of the message of reconciliation to the world? Why are we talking about that here this morning in August during our series on living uh, by faith in a strange new world? Why, why, how does this play into that? Well, it's, it's very simply this. The reason we need reconciliation— the reason we need uh, this, this grace, this forgiveness of God, is because of a very real problem that we all have, we all face. And it's called guilt. And that's a very old problem in the world we live in today. But as you look through history, as you look at our culture, our culture has dealt with guilt in different ways at different times. And even today, people struggle with this idea of guilt and what to do with it. And we're supposed to be the church in the middle of it, you know, the lighthouse saying, hey, there is a way to deal with your guilt. His name is Jesus. But instead, we see the world take a different path, right? Because they're trying to deal with their guilt without God. They think all the way back to the garden. Adam and Eve they chose, chose to sin. They chose their way instead of God's way. What was their immediate reaction in sin? What was the reaction to that? It was shame. It was guilt. What did they immediately try to do? They tried to cover themselves, right? And, and hide that, that sense of guilt, that, that shame, right? And then as soon as they were actually confronted with what they had done, then what did they do? They turned and started blaming each other or the snake or whatever, right? And then it, there's even an implied like, well, it's really your fault, God, because you're the one who put me in this city. Like they're, they're trying to blame everybody else but themselves, right? Humans deal with guilt by shame, covering it, hiding it, getting away from it, pushing it away from them, or pointing at other people and trying to take all that guilt off of me and throw it on the other person, right? This is the story of humanity. It's a very old story. There is a fundamental problem that we have, and it's guilt. And all throughout history, it's played out different ways, but we're trying to figure out what do we do with our guilt. Now, we're going to look at that. We're going to say, what should we be doing? What does the Bible say about that? But first, we have to look at how the world does it. Now, now let's, let's think about this word guilt here for a second, because it gets thrown around a lot today, uh, and some people only feel guilty when they get smacked in the face with the consequences of their actions, right? When, when the cop pulls you over, right? That's the moment you feel guilty where you're like, okay, yep, I'm in trouble, right? And some people feel that way. Other people, though, almost like to live in their guilt, right? And they feel guilty about everything, <laughs> everything that happens. And it's almost like they've learned to like revel a little bit uh, in their guilt. I found this, this hilarious uh, uh, guy on, on, uh, on, online. Let me read you what he says. He says, feeling guilty, I guess it could be a gal too. I don't know. Feeling guilty is like my forte. I feel guilty about all sorts of things that I probably shouldn't. Like if I'm that one car that causes someone to have to wait to turn left, I feel guilty about that. The odds of me being in that exact spot at that exact minute were probably one in a hundred thousand. Yep, there I am, overcoming those odds so that they have to wait. He feels guilty about that. Anyone ever, ever feel guilty about making someone else? Yeah, okay, we got, we got a couple. Likewise, here's, here's where it gets good. Likewise, if I'm the person waiting to turn left, then I feel guilty for making them feel guilty for making me wait to turn left. 
Like, I wish there was some way I could convey to them that I'm not hating them for just so happening to be there and overcoming those odds and making them wait. I wish I could say I was making this up. <laughs> this is what user uh, Nintendo Capri Sun wrote in, in a comment section uh, on, a, on a thing. Yeah. Anyone relate to that guy? You just like, you just go through life finding ways to feel guilty about things. I'm seeing a lot of this around the room, okay? Um, yeah, the minor things. The minor things can make us feel guilty, right? Things like that. Making someone, uh, wait, someone, someone's going to feel really guilty because at some point someone's going to be the first person to spill coffee on our brand new rug that we have here uh, in this room. And they're going to they're gonna feel bad. They're going to forget to put their lid on their cup or whatever. And uh, it's, it's gonna, they're going to feel guilty about it. Those are minor things, okay? I don't know. Did we already have that happen this morning? I don't, I don't know. It's first, first week. Back. But there are also major things that we feel guilty about. Major things. And I, I think most Healthy people, adjusted people understand that difference, right, between a minor thing and a major thing that they're, they're feeling guilty about. Like for myself, uh, I, I have minor things that I feel guilty about, and I, and I have some major things. Like one thing that I feel guilty about semi-regularly uh, that is kind of both in both sides of that category is, is a parent. I, I feel guilt as a parent sometimes, right? As I think about my children and how I'm raising them and the things I'm doing for them, I, 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 I feel guilty sometimes. For instance, um, uh, I used to think I was the fun dad, okay? I, I used to think I had it all figured out, and, and my kids just thought I was the greatest and just the best, and, and, you know, Carol's the not fun parent, I'm the fun parent. You know, like, we, we go back and forth. She has to be with them all day, so it's, it's just, they, they have a hard time. But then I met a guy by the name of Bandit, okay? Anyone know who Bandit is? A couple of you, are, I, can, I can see it. He's the fictional character in the hit kids TV series, Bluey, okay? He's Bluey's uh, dad, and um, uh, he is, puts me to shame. He puts me to shame. He's hilarious. He thinks of these, like, fun little games, like, like uh, pretend I was just born yesterday, and you have to tell me, you know, teach me about the world that I'm living in. And I'm like, that's so smart. Like, why didn't I think of that, right? So now my kids are like, Dad, why can't you be more like Bandit? <laughs> like, Thanks, kid. You know, I needed that. Needed that today, right? To, in, in, in my, you used to think I was the fun parent. Now, now, you, now I've got to compare myself to so a couple of you are like, yeah, yeah, that bandit, man. <laughs> no, he's good. You should check him out. You steal some of his stuff. I've, I've done it. It's, it's good stuff. Good show. Um, I, feel, I feel bad about that. You know, that's, that's kind of a minor, minor thing. But sometimes it's a little more serious. Like, could I have given my kid more attention today? Could I, were there things that I should have said that I didn't say to my kid? Were there things that I did say that maybe I shouldn't have said <laughs> to, to my kid? Are there things I should be doing with them that I'm not doing? Are there things that I, that I, should, that I am doing that I shouldn't be doing with it? Like, like what? How? I don't know. There are definitely times where that's, that's my answer is like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing with this thing. Um, but then there are other times where I'm like, I know better than that. I should not have lost my temper like that. I, I, I should have put down the TV remote, gotten out of my chair, and I should have got down on the floor and played with them a little bit more. You know, you, we feel that guilt. I have parent guilt issues. I have friendship guilt issues. I think of the friends that I've hurt over the years with, with a, a word that I didn't think about before I said it or an action. I didn't consider how it was going to affect others. I think about pastoral guilt. Uh, I've, I've, been, I've been serving at churches now going on 11 years, uh, and, and I've made some mistakes over the years. 
Uh, and I, I think specifically of my last church that I served at, it was going through a lot of, a lot of trouble, a lot of conflict, a lot of tension. Uh, and I think back, you know, did I, did I add fuel to those flames or was I, was I really a peacemaker? The, the things I did there, because some people really appreciated my, my actions, my words. Some people really didn't, right? So what, what, what do I do with that, you know? And, and how, how do, can I go back? Can I change? Like, I don't know. I feel guilty, about some of that stuff. And as you sit there this morning, you can probably think of some things you feel guilty about. We feel guilty about the minor things. We feel guilty about the major things. And the fact is, we're usually pretty good at making ourselves feel guilty, right? We can, if we sit down and think for a minute, we could probably come up with a couple things to feel guilty about. But here's, here's where it gets a little more complicated. We live in a world where other people are also pretty good at making us feel guilty about things. Am I right? You look around, you start doing that comparison game, you turn on the TV, start letting them talk into your life. They can come up with some pretty good things to make you feel guilty about. It's almost like they figured out, I can control people's behavior by making them feel guilty about things, right? I can, I can get them to buy a product. I can get them to vote a certain way. I can, whatever. They lean on us and feel, it's the garden. It's the garden, right? We're throwing guilt on each other instead of dealing with our own guilt, but other people try to make us feel guilty. For instance, depending on who you ask, I'm supposed to feel guilty about my environmental impact, okay? Because I like plastic straws better than paper straws. Sorry. Like, should I feel guilty about that? I mean, God, God did make me a steward of the planet he put me on, so I should be taking care of it, but how does that work? And I, I, I get pretty confused about that pretty quick, right? Depending on who you ask, I'm supposed to feel guilty that I'm a middle-class white male. I, didn't, I don't appreciate the privilege that I've been born into just by my gender and color of my skin. Depending on who you ask, I should feel guilty that I'm a Christian. Did you know that our faith heritage is one with a long legacy of misogynistic, homophobic, and corrupt men who gain power at their own expense and like to go on racially charged, murderous crusades? How dare I associate myself with that? Where's my guilt? Where's my shame over that? The world likes to make you feel guilty about stuff, right? And what do we do with all that? Depending on who you ask, I'm guilty of a lot of stuff. And that's where this gets a little tricky. Kevin DeYoung, uh, author, pastor, um, says it this way. And I like it. It's good, kind of a good sum up for this. The, the, world, the world we live in is awash with guilt. The message we are all too aware of is simply this. We are not good enough and we aren't doing enough. We aren't good enough, and we aren't doing enough. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like, I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough for this. And you know what? There's, there's a social issue. There's a thing in my family. There's a thing with my friends that I need to be doing more to help with that, and I'm not. There, there are world issues. Big, maybe I should be contributing somehow to that injustice or that injustice. Like, like what's my role in all that? Like, I feel guilty about us. We are living in a world that is awash with guilt that says, I am not good enough and I'm not doing enough. And you've got plenty of people who will tell you all of that is true. What do we do with that? 
Well, let's, let's start by talking about what exactly guilt is. Kind of mentioned this already. It's the fact or state of having committed an offense, a crime, a violation, or a wrong, especially against a moral or penal law, culpability. Okay, that's the, like the long version. Okay, so it's straight from dictionary.com. You know you can trust it. Um, the fact or state. Okay, there's two sides. The fact of being guilty. Okay, some of you have, uh, you know, been, been in that situation where you go, oh, I am actually guilty. You've had to come to that realization in your life. But then the second part is a feeling. There's a feeling of responsibility or remorse for some offense, some crime, some wrong, etc. Whether real or imagined, we have this feeling of guilt. So we have a fact and we have a feeling. Those two things sometimes work together, sometimes they work separately, right? So when you're driving down the road and uh, all of a sudden lights start flashing in your rear view and you hear a siren go off, what do we all immediately feel? What'd I do? What'd I do? Right? Like, like are they coming for me? What did it, what did it, you're, you're checking your speedometer. You're checking, did I use my turn signal? Like, you're, you're checking, because you feel guilty just because you saw those, those lights coming up. Um, then you get pulled over, right? <laughs> and, the guy, and the guy walks up and says, do you, do you know why I pulled you over? And, and then they explain it to you, and you go, oh, I am guilty. I, I, I feel that. Then sometimes they don't pull you over. Sometimes they just slide right past you and go get that guy that, you know, cut you off a mile or two back, and you're like, yeah, go get him. <laughs> get, get, get that guy, right? No, we're, we have this sense of like, there's a feeling of guilt, but there's also the state of being guilty. I've been pulled over two times in my life. The first time, I definitely deserved it. Uh, I was both guilty and I felt guilty, okay? And I was, I was, he came over, and he's like, do you know why I pulled you over? And I was like, yes, I do, sir, and I feel very bad about it. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Whatever you need to, you know, hands on the wheel. Like, I, I'm, I'm in trouble, okay? I did this wrong. And uh, sometime I'll tell you that whole story. There was a, a GPS issue, and it was a bit of a Michael Scott into the lake kind of thing. Um, so that's, that's the, I'll tell you about that sometime. The other time I got pulled over, uh, he, he walks up and he goes, do you, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, I have no idea why you pulled me over. And basically, he, he had to fumble. Long story short, he, I didn't do anything wrong. Okay, I didn't do anything wrong. I had out-of-state uh, plates, uh, and he was looking for a quick buck on, on uh, a minor thing. And he goes, oh, you just moved to town? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Here, uh, you know, I'm going to give you a verbal warning. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I was like, All right, I, didn't, I didn't actually do anything, okay? Like, you're just being like that, right? So we, there's both sides, right? There's feelings of guilt, but there's actual state of guilt. What do we do with that? How does the world handle guilt? Well, I'm going to run through these quick. Sometimes you can turn to a substance or a relationship to cover up your guilt. Drown it. Forget about it. Push it away from you. Get rid of that guilt. You turn to yourself for forgiveness. Turn to yourself for forgiveness. Well, that only works if your standard was the one that you broke. Right? I, the only person who can give forgiveness is the one whose standard you broke. So when you break your own standards, like me, if my standard is like, I'm going to work out five days uh, this week, and I only make it four days, I can forgive myself for that, right? I'm actually very good at forgiving myself for skipping gym day, okay? Like, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. But if it's the cop's law <laughs> that I broke, I can't forgive myself for that. He needs to be the one to forgive me, and he's going to have some things I have to do in order to obtain that forgiveness, right? Um, We turn to ourselves. We can justify ourselves. This is what we call legalism. This is where we come up with a list of right and wrongs, things that we can keep and others can't, right? We justify ourselves by saying, hey, you know, I may have done that thing, but I didn't do this thing. Right? This is a bigger deal than that. You know, I, yeah, yeah, I lied about that. I cheated about that. I slept with that person. You know, what, whatever. But you know what? My, uh, my, my eggs that I ate this morning are range free. 
you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a step above other people, right? Like we, 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 we come up with these lists of things that we can keep to make ourselves feel better about the things we can't keep, right? And then we apply those to other people and then we do this comparison thing. We can turn to society for forgiveness. That usually doesn't work. Just look at anyone that ever tried to give an apology on Twitter, you know, and how people respond to that. You can try. You can try to get society's forgiveness, but it doesn't usually work. Um, you can identify yourself as a victim so that you can get a sense of, well, I'm owed more than they're owed, right? My, we've both got suffering, but my suffering's worse than your suffering. So someone else needs to feel guilty about what they did to me. I don't need to feel guilty about what I did right? Uh, you can turn to some sense of mother nature or the universe, right? This is good karma, right? Oh yeah, I did, you know, I did this thing or that thing, but you know what? I made up for it. I made up for it by doing this other thing. The world has lots of ways to try to handle guilt, but are they the right ways? Let me give you two principles real quick uh, for how to handle guilt, and then we're going to jump into a couple more verses here, and then we'll, we'll finish up. Principle one for handling guilt. We need to make sure we're feeling guilt over the right thing. And this is where those of us who are Christians come into it with our biblical mindset. We ask the question, whose standard have I violated? Whose standard have I violated? What set of rules have I broken? I'm feeling guilty, but where is that guilt coming from? What was the thing that I did? Who did I violate? What thing did I break that is now making me feel guilty? Whose standard you broke matters. My, my encouragement to, to you this morning is, is to understand there's, there's different standards out there. And I, I, would, I would just encourage you, don't feel guilty about breaking the world's standards. Don't let the world's standards and the world's, uh, what they've decided is right or wrong, be the source of guilt in your life. Because you know what? Their standards change all the time right? What was in vogue 10 years ago is not in vogue today. What, what was in vogue, you know, 100 years ago, sometimes it comes back around and now it's in vogue again, but it wasn't in between, right? You, you think of, think of um, the abolition of slavery. That was a good that was pushed through our culture. Right now, we look back on that and say, awesome, way to go, society. That was a good standard to, to raise up that we should not own other human beings. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of that, right? But you know what? When that first started becoming a, a talking point and topic, it was not popular. Half of our country went to, went to war over the fact that someone said we probably shouldn't be owning people. Like that was, so it was not in vogue then. It is in vogue now. When was it right and when was it wrong? The standard is always changing here in our culture about what is right, what is wrong. God's standards never change. Find the source of your guilt on the right standard. Ask, am I getting, am I feeling guilty over the right thing? Principle number two on handling guilt. You need to go to the right party for forgiveness. Once you figure out who, who is the party that you've offended, now you can go to the right party to find forgiveness, right? And sometimes that is a person. We can hurt people. But let's look at the biblical, biblical standard here. here here's our, our biblical view of guilt. When we really study it in the scripture, where does our guilt come? What do we do with it? Here's your first, first um, principle from, from the Bible here. We are guilty of sinning against God. 
We are guilty of sinning against God. Our, our big idea for today, our, our, our main idea is simply this. We are guilty. And that's why we need grace. We are guilty. That's why we need grace. From a biblical viewpoint, each one of us, sinner before God, we broke his standard. Whose standard did we break? His. Why should we be feeling guilty? We broke God's standards. Our sin always hurts us. Our sin often hurts others. And our sin usually makes the world messier. Always, often, usually. Always, often, usually. Sin is against God. Uh, an important note to make here is, is simply this. Uh, we, we'll, we'll use this, the phrase, we'll say, you know, I've sinned against a person, or I've sinned against my brother, or I've sinned against this guy or that guy. And that's true. There's a truth to that in that we violated them, we, we hurt them, we, we damaged them. But ultimately, that word sin is really reserved for you and your relationship with God. David, when he sinned uh, by, by raping Bathsheba and murdering her husband, he said, against you and you only, Lord, have I sinned. And we look at that and go, uh, dude, you also have a problem with those guys, right? Like, yeah, you've got a problem with God, but you've also got a problem with him. Joseph, when he's being confronted by Potiphar's wife, uh, says to her, I, I cannot do this thing with you and sin against my God. Right? He doesn't say sin against Potiphar. He doesn't say sin against you. He says sin against God. Why is that? Because when we hurt another one of God's creation, the one that we have broken, the, the, the law that we have broken is God's law. It's his standard. It's his creation that we have damaged. Our problem is with him. Now, yeah, we hurt them. We need to fix that. We need to try to heal that. We need to try to find forgiveness. We try, try to rebuild that relationship with another person. But ultimately, whenever we hurt someone else, it's him that we violate. We've broken his law to love your neighbor and love him. Right? That, it's his thing that we've sinned against. So what do we do with that sin? How do, how do we fix it? it? It always hurts us, often hurts others, usually makes the world messier. It's a historical and universal problem. Guys, if you want to look back into the history of humanity to find wrongs and evils throughout history, you will find them. Okay? You will find them. We are the descendants of a bunch of sinful people. And guess what? We're sinful people too. Right? Like this is, we're not avoiding this. I fully agree with that. We are guilty. But we can receive forgiveness. This is the story of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll just run through it quick here. We can always receive forgiveness from God because of what Christ did on the cross. It happens instantly in salvation. The moment you place your faith in Christ, uh, it, the, the scriptures say we are washed and made white as snow. Uh, our sin is taken as far as the east is from the west. We are made a new creation. The old is past. We are a new person. You are no longer a guilty person. You are a forgiven person. Right? Happens instantly. The second you place your faith in Christ, that's what you can do today if you realize you've never done that before. Do it. It happens instantly in salvation. Happens repeatedly in sustenation, in, in being sustained. You are sustained by God's forgiveness. Think about that for a second. And, and then second, and thirdly, it happens progressively in sanctification. That's all of Romans 8. There is now no condemnation uh, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because there's no condemnation, you can now live through the Spirit instead of living your life through the flesh. Whew. It's cool. We can change. We can grow. We can be a different person because we received grace. We received forgiveness. 
We can always receive it from God. We can sometimes receive it from those we hurt. Sometimes. We can sometimes receive it from those that we hurt. Forgiveness from others is good. Forgiveness from others is sometimes withheld. You ever have someone you went to and asked them for forgiveness and they refuse to give it to you? I've had that. Forgiveness from others is sometimes impossible. Uh, I, I have someone that, that I, I wish I could get forgiveness from. They're, they're no longer here. They're no longer here on earth. That, that may be somewhere where you are today. We can sometimes receive it from those we hurt, but we can always make it right with the one who we really sinned against. And uh, verse, uh, uh, Romans 12, 18, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Romans 12, 18 says this. It says, uh, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Okay? So be at peace with all people is the command. It's the thing that we're all supposed to want, all supposed to pursue. But he puts two caveats on it. He says, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you. I love that because it's honest. It's real. Sometimes the other person don't want to be at peace with you. What do you do in that scenario? You do everything you can to make the peace happen. And sometimes you're in a situation where it's just not possible. They're gone. They're, they're not anywhere near you anymore. You can't get to them. You can't have that conversation with them. Do what you can when you can. We can receive forgiveness. We can always receive it from God. We can sometimes receive it from those that we hurt. Third, we can use our forgiveness to forgive others. It's Ephesians 4. Uh, this, is, this is phenomenal. It says, as Christ, in Jesus forg- in, as Christ forgave you, so we also ought to forgive each other. It's good for them. It's good for us. And then we get to look like Jesus when we forgive people, right? Because that's, that's who he is. He's a forgiver. Uh, love it. You should forgive other people if you get the chance. Uh, finally, number four, we can use our forgiveness to grow past our failures. This is kind of the final thing I want to I plant on here, and then and we're going to be done. Listen, don't wallow in your guilt. Don't, don't marinate in it. Don't let it take over your life. What is Satan the accuser? do. He tries to bind us in guilt to make us ineffective and, and unfruitful in our life because we're so worried about something we did in our past, we're so worried about what we might screw up in the future that he goes, no, 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 don't live that kind of life. Grow through it. <laughs> Glory in the grace you have received. And when, and when the Satan throws that at you and says, well, remember that one time you did this thing? Yeah, yeah, I did. And I've received grace for it. I have been forgiven, and I can now turn around and give that forgiveness to others. And I can live out the ministry of reconciliation in the world that I live in because I've received it. You're right. I did mess that up. I did that sin, and, and, and Christ paid for it on the cross. And I'm better because of it. I'm changing every day. Don't, believers don't live in guilt um, sometimes we get confused about this because uh, as, as we follow Jesus, we, we still have guilt that we struggle with. Maybe we sin more and we feel guilt about it again. I love, um, I think it's uh, John MacArthur puts it this way. He says, the closer you move to Jesus, the closer you move to Christ, the less you will sin and the worse you'll feel about it. Okay? The less you're going to sin, but the worse you're going to feel. As you get closer to God, closer to Jesus, you start to see the world more and more the way he sees the world. You see sin the way he sees sin, and you finding yourself this repulsion and this revulsion at sin when you realize it's still in you, and you're just, oh my goodness, 
But when that happens, in that moment, what do you do? You confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Guys, that's a verse for believers. That's not a verse of salvation. That's a verse of sanctification. That's us being able to say, no matter what I'm feeling, feeling, I recognize I've done this wrong. God, would you forgive me? He forgives you. Great. Now I can live out that grace, which sometimes we need to look at and go, how did I make that mistake? <laughs> how, did I, how did I commit that sin? Hmm, maybe I could learn from this experience and avoid that in the future, right? Guilt is not always an unhealthy thing. It, is, it does point out to us, it's the flashing red light that, oh, I violated a standard. You have to ask, where did that standard come from? And once you know the answer to that, you can say, well, what do I need to grow in? How, how does this need to affect me moving forward, right? You can learn from your mistakes. Don't live in them. Because at the end of the day, grace kills guilt. Grace kills guilt. And this is, this, is, this is our end. Guys, grace does not slide sin off to the side and say, don't worry about that thing in the corner. Right? When you understand grace and the grace of God and the reconciliation that he offers to us, he's not saying, hey, no, no, don't worry about that. Like, we do that sometimes. Like, we, we, we play down sin, right? It's not that, not that big a deal. We all make mistakes. It's no, 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 no. It's a problem. Grace doesn't say, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. No, grace says, I have sinned and I have been forgiven. It acknowledges the guilt and it lives in the forgiveness And then it turns around and gives that forgiveness to other people. And no matter what the world throws at you to make you try to feel guilty about, you can throw back, hey, I'm forgiven. I'm still growing. There's probably some things I need to adjust. Maybe I do, maybe I do need to start liking paper straw. I don't know. Like, like maybe there's something that does need to change, but I'm living by God's standards and not the world's standards. I'm living by God's standards, not my own standards, because my own standards are, are not great, right? I want his standards. When you feel that guilt, you lean on grace. When you feel that guilt, you lean on grace. And this is how the believer lives, because we are guilty, and that's why we need grace. As you go out today, I would encourage you, whenever you run into that sense of guilt, sense of shame, you say, where is that coming from? What's the source? What, what standard did I violate? Who do I need to get for forgiveness from? What can I learn from it? How can I move forward? I would encourage you to live by grace. And when you do that, you become a minister of reconciliation. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word and the truth that it brings to our lives. God, if there is anyone in this room today who is realizing they need your grace, they need your forgiveness for their sins, and they've never done that before, God, I ask that you would give them the courage to talk to you right now about that. I ask that you give them the courage to talk to somebody about that as well. God, I thank you for doing all the work to reconcile us to you through Christ. Help us to be people who don't live in guilt, but live in grace and give that grace to others. We give you all the praise for all these things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.